Today on the ZabeCast, you are what your record says you are. An old line in the NFL by Bill Parcells that I finally understand, but in a way I never really did. The Pack are 11-3 and and the Skins are 3-11. and I'll share my game notes on both. A story of Christmas tree desperation. The Patriots' fishy sideline tape emerges. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me, is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Monday, December 16, 2019. Thank you for downloading and Merry Christmas week here on the Zapecast. I will try to do a little bit of Christmas-themed stuff every single day. I know. Next week, by the way, I am off of everything. But I will still deliver a Football Five Ways Friday. You know why? You paid for it, and I'm going to deliver it. And hell, if I can't do one podcast a week when... All I have is time on my hands, then shame on me, right? Plus, I don't want to get sued. You promised me this many, and I want... uh, I also don't want three people canceling. I I need that 15 bucks for the holidays. (laughs) Little Susie needs her shoes. Her little Tinkerbell doll. And Billy needs his baseball bat. I, I can't. I'll deliver next Friday. Trust me on that. By the way, people, uh, I thank everybody... And it's not a ton of people, but it's a decent amount of people who say, Zabe, man, I worry about you. Take care of yourself. Slow down. You crazy doing all this stuff. Well, I'm starting to listen. I'm starting to listen. Today, I kind of went against the grain on everything I normally do on a football Sunday. For one, I ate healthy today. Oh... Oh, did you hear? What's that? It's Zabe's infamous sound machine with the buzzers and the favorite slogans. Why can't I remember it? And the crusty groans and the laughs. Oh, it's on the Zabe cast. Yeah. People were like, I really wish you'd add, you know, like your normal show. I like those little spice notes in there. Well, all it took was a simple cable. Don't know why it took me so long to figure it out, but it's because you're lazy. You work a lot, but you're still lazy. Okay, that's enough from you. Anyhow, I uh, did everything I could opposite today of my normal Sunday grind. First of all, uh, like I said, I ate healthy today. Uh, I have not had a Diet Coke in about 24 hours or thereabouts. So, uh, you want a cookie? Yeah, yeah, I actually do want a cookie. I'd like six cookies, please. Uh, my nutritionist, Dr. Hillary Stowers, not an actual doctor, Hillary Tarkington Stowers, sent me a YouTube video of a guy who, I guess he's a doctor, PhD, biochemist, blah, blah, blah. It was a YouTube video. I was driving up to Philly last week, and I, I texted her. I said, I'm bored driving up to Philly. I want to listen to something interesting, and hopefully, you know, will stimulate my brain. So she sent me this uh, YouTube link. And it was the doctor basically saying that, yes, high fructose, that's what he called it, fruc, not fructose, high fructose, high fructose corn syrup is the devil. The devil! And fructose in general is really 
really bad. And it, at least for 24 hours or a little bit, has scared me straight to the point where on this football Sunday, I did not go through my normal, usual, gluttonous eating routine, which is, oh, I get to pick up my daughter at Sunday school. I think I'll swing on into McDonald's for a little sausage, egg, and cheese bagel. Terrible for you. I'll swing over to the 7-Eleven, see my buddy Prad, get us a large big gulp with a little dollop of cherry flavor and vanilla flavor, sugar, sugar. That shit has to be high fructose corn syrup. And I'll get a five-hour energy, waste of money, total placebo. Not terrible for you health-wise, I don't think. It's like B12 and a... Uh, like five calories, basically, but still, waste of money, insane waste of money. Gives you a little, tiny, imperceptible B12 flush, niacin flush, sort of a buzz. I think, I don't know, I've been buying two of those a day, retail, every day now, for probably five years. Think of the money wasted there. And of course, since I'm in that 7-Eleven, I'd have to get a glazed donut. Yes, yes. Yes, this is why I'm at my heaviest weight ever, and this is why I need to turn this ship around and I don't have the luxury of half measures. So this uh, lecture by this guy definitely kind of scared me straight. And, you know, he was saying how basically you shouldn't drink anything but water and milk. Uh, and, and, and if you can, some sort of alternative milk, like almond milk, which I've actually, I've had, I, I don't think almond milk's bad, which is rare for me. Cause you know how picky of an eater I am. We getting to football today. Okay. Okay. I'm getting to it. So anyway, back to, uh, me trying to take, I said it was a supplement. This podcast is a supplement. It's not the same shit I do on the Rick. Okay. So. Not only did I not have a Diet Coke today, and I'm sure I'll start getting the shakes at some point. If I can keep this up for three or four or five days, I'm predicting I'm going to have some weird withdrawal episode. But I ate well today, and I also made sure to go out of my way to not do the things I normally do during a football Sunday. Namely, I'm driving around in the morning. Am I listening to pregame shows and Sirius XM and uh, football this and football that? No. Boom. Christmas tunes. Put me in a good mood. I don't need to listen to all this jibber jabber from pregame shows. I got home in time for the one o'clock kicks. I settled in for football and I didn't touch my phone to tweet or to look at tweets virtually the entire game. And it was glorious. I texted a few friends a couple of times, but I resisted the urge to fire in on every little thing that's happening. And I know what you're going to say. Well, but we've come to expect that. And, and you need to do that as a public personality to engage on social media, to gain listeners and followers. Man, I haven't gained any fucking followers on Twitter in forever. I'd have to go back and look. It just doesn't, it's a, it's a scam. If you like me and listen to me, you pr- and if you're on Twitter, you probably follow me. And that's probably it. So I'm sorry I didn't give you the up-to-minute thoughts on all, every fumble, every bad call, every reversal, every stupid decision by coaches like, oh, Bill Callahan, I'm not going to go for it on fourth and four. I'm a three and ten team. 
How about the plus 40 at home? Oh, oh, I'm going to punt. God, what a piece of shit he is. What a loser. What a schlump. He can't get out of here fast enough. But I digress. Finally, a little football. More. I'm getting to it. So I did things kind of the opposite. You know, I I, I tried to anti-grind. I took some notes during the and I watched the Redskins and Packers flipped them off between the two screens. Um, and I took some notes, but I wasn't grinding, grinding. I was just sitting there having a day of rest, watching football in the glorious five-hour energy dome, which I should probably rename because I'm not going to drink this stuff anymore. They, they haven't given me any free product in years, so why am I giving them credit? It was glorious. It was great. I think there are people that subscribe to, like, no cell phone Sundays the whole day. They're just like, no, nah, cell phone's off. But what if somebody has to reach you? Um, reach me Monday. It's Sunday. I There's nothing crucial. If it's a family member, they know my home phone, if you still have one, and they'll be able to get a hold of me. But chances are, no, there's nothing important going on. Put it down. Get away from it. Here's what I did do on Sunday. I went out and I went for a Christmas tree in a panic. Here is your Christmas story du jour for Christmas week here on the Zabecast. God, he's not going to get to the football. Yes, I am. I'm going to get to it. I promise. As a bit of a background, I am Mr. Christmas. I am the Christmas kid. I have loved Christmas, lock, stock, and barrel, everything about it forever. But as you get older in life and as your kids get older and you start hitting that midlife crisis, boy, do you find yourself slacking. At least I do. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll compare notes. You can you can compare notes with me. But we did not have a Christmas tree as of Sunday morning. And it's still not decorated, but at least it's up and in the house. Now, that's pretty late, right? You know, the 15th of December. But I still thought, I'm like, well, I can still go get one Sunday. And you know, that's 10 full days before Christmas, a week after Christmas. That's that's a good run of Christmas tree cheer. I'm okay with that. And yes, we are a real Christmas tree house. And I will insist on nothing but a real tree. So I call up this uh, Christmas tree farm, a big one that is near where I live in the western uh, D.C. market, almost in West Virginia, western Loudoun, uh, called Snickersville Gap Christmas Tree Farm. And I think, because uh, it said on their website, they're like closed. And I was like, ah, this Google uh, website, hey, that can't be right. So I call the number. Sure enough, I get a voice, I get their, their, their answering machine. Uh, it's December 15th. Thank you for calling the Snickersville Gap Christmas Tree Farm. We are closed for the season. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Click. Done. I'm like, what? On a sun, I guess, I mean, one of two things. Either the Christmas tree racket is so lucrative that you can afford to, if you run a Christmas tree farm, to cut short your own sales for the final week. Because there'll be people coming in through the week. Some people might get their Christmas tree the weekend before Christmas. Hell, my mom used to say that it was tradition in Brooklyn that Santa would bring the tree with him and all the presents. So you'd wake up, so you think of the poor parents had to wrap all the presents and get a Christmas tree in the house and decorate it 
before going to bed on Christmas Eve. So either that's the theory, number one, is that they're just making so much money, they're like, we're closed for the year, good night now. Or it could be a really bad year for Christmas trees. And there was some reports that the stock was low, and I always take these reports with a bit of uh, suspiciousness, where it's like, oh yeah, it's a bad year for Christmas trees, right? I hear this story every year in the local news. It's like when they say we're running out of wings ahead of the Super Bowl. Is there ever really a shortage of buffalo wings? I've never experienced one. But my wife said that she had heard a story of a Christmas tree grower that had mold, had to burn a bunch of his trees. So it's possible that this farm had sold out all of its trees. But don't you think they would say, we're sorry to be closed, but we sold all of our inventory of sellable trees for 2019 due to a Christmas tree shortage or just a little explanation would have been nice. Well, at this point, I'm going to panic because I last, you know, I was in Milwaukee for a spell. I didn't have time to be here. I missed a big weekend, which could have got us a tree. Um, <laughs> this week's going to get busy before I'm off next week. There, We had to get a tree today. And I'm panicking, thinking, well, if the Christmas tree farm is closed, where else is there a tree? So I went to the local nursery that does sell trees, but not a whole lot of them. And I see a few straggling leftover trees there. And I just walk up and I go, I'll take your tallest tree. And can you help me get it on the roof of the car? Sure enough, I get it. It was built as a seven to eight foot Fraser fir. <laughs> that shit ain't seven foot. That's like a NBA media guide seven foot. Seven foot if you count the tip of the tippity tip tip. I bring it home and I tell my wife, who had said to me, and this was the thing that really sent shivers down my spine, I said, she said, are we doing a Christmas tree this year? For the Christmas kid, that was like, oh my God, it's on. Get a tree today. So I had to get it before one o'clock kickoffs. I went out and got it and uh, brought it in the house. It's uh, it's not quite the Charlie Brown tree, but it's close. It's so laughably small for our room, but it's going to be the best Christmas tree ever because it's not the size of the tree. It's the size of the love in your home with your family that matters. <laughs> and that's going to be great. And I guarantee you goddamn this much. I can swear on my own podcast. Next year's tree. Oh, shit. Rockefeller Center. Look out. I'm getting a tree so big, it's going to be Clark Griswoldian in size, where it will scrape the ceiling and it will punch out the windows when I un- un- unleash it from its binds. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going massive next year. It's going to be a joke. Okay. Football, anybody? It's about time. Good God. I know. The Green Bay Packers are 11 and 3. That is a sparkling good record. That is a record that currently has them in the two spot in the NFC playoff race. A coveted buy and a home game with a chance to do some real damage come January. Things could change, though, because look at the NFC. My God, what a sharp-looking conference this year. 11-3 Seattle, 11-3 San Francisco. Thank you, Atlanta. Mm, Thank you, Replay. You did your job. Actually, in that game, Replay just negated itself. 
it overturned one bad call the right way, and then it overturned another bad call, or no, it overturned one wrong call the right way, and it turned another wrong call. Whatever. You get the point. Back-to-back replays in the final two plays of the game uh, for the Niners. Actually, not even. No, excuse me. Excuse me. It wasn't even the final play of the game because <laughs> they put one second on the clock, then Matt Ryan took a knee, and because the, the two-point conversion doesn't take any clock time, apparently, then they kicked off, and the Niners tried the Cal versus Stanford play. More on that in a second with the Bears and what they did. And it ended up in a touchdown the other way. <laughs> it didn't matter because the, uh, the Fal- Falcons were already 10.5-point dogs, so they covered easily, but still. So thank you, Atlanta, for knocking down San Francisco. And, of course... Uh, you've got the Packers at 11 and three, three teams there. Uh, the Saints are 10 and three pending tomorrow night against the Colts at home. That should be a win. We should be looking at four 11 and three teams and a chance for the Vikings to join the 11 win ranks. But at this point, the, the Packers have it as far as the division goes. They just have to not fuck up against the Lions in week 17. They can lose against the Vikings and then beat the Lions in week 17 on the road, and they win the division in a tie break with Minnesota. You wouldn't want to leave it to that, but still. So the pack is 11-3. and It's a hell of a year. This team is amazingly healthy. Rodgers is still Rodgers. Aaron Jones is the fucking man. Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. There's the heart of this team. The defense is better than last year. It's pretty good. It's plucky. It's okay. It's not dominant, but guess what? It's good enough. And LaFleur, 11-3. and I mean, rookie coach to come in and be 11-3. and Mike McCarthy. Uh, I don't know if I talked about it on the Zabecast, but last last week he came out with this you know McCarthy project thing, uh, this story on NFL Network about he's got fellow Fired coaches huddled around, breaking down game fills, films, scheduling fake practices for a team that has not hired him or anyone else. And it struck me as just sort of desperate, pathetic. And i sorry to be in, uns, unsympathetic, but come on, man. Mike McCarthy must be just going crazy right now because a lot of the numbers, especially offensive numbers for the Packers, are virtually identical to last year. But the team is 11-3. and three. It's a hell of a year. Matt LaFleur is running away towards possible coach of the year. He's unemployed, drawing up practice schedules for teams that have not hired him. Man. So here's where the you are what your record says you are thing, and I'll tie this into the Redskins in just a second. Bill Parcells said that. You are what your record says you are. Of course, we like to say, well, yeah, they're 8-1, and one, but they're not that good. Or we're four and seven, but man, we could easily be seven and one, or whatever the numbers may be. You are what your record says you are. It doesn't actually mean what it says, literally, because you could be good and have a sub 500 record, and you could be bad and still have a winning record. But the point of the quote, and it finally hit me, was you are what your record says you are, because the point of the NFL is to win games. Boy, that's your 
Really? That's what you now understand about this? Yes, it makes sense now. I'm like, aha, perfect sense now. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad. Good or bad is irrelevant. If your record is 11-3, and you are really good at winning games in a single season in the NFL. Ergo, you're doing good. High five. Uh, I love the fact that Aaron Rodgers convinced Matt LaFleur to go for it on fourth and four. And LaFleur was willing to change his mind. That's something I guarantee you, old Bob's big boy, McCarthy, would have never done. Tyler Irvin, thank God he has lifted the Packers' punt game out of its ungodly morass. And thank God for Mitch Trubisky, who at times looked like looks like a real NFL quarterback. And then the rest of the time you go, nah, this guy is not it. And then the Bears actually wouldn't go away, and the Packers had problems actually closing out the game. And they had a Cal Stanford play dialed up on their last play of the game. Instead of a Hail Mary from old Mitch Trubisky, they tried a Cal Stanford play, and son of a bitch, they had it. They had it, they had it, they had it, but Jesper Horstead blew it. You wished you had lateraled to Allen Robinson. You wanted to get the ball to him, but guess what? You got tackled and fumbled. You blew it. Jesper Horstead. Allen Robinson was in the clear. What I don't get is you practice those plays, the teams do, right? And you'd think the number one principle of that play is as soon as you encounter resistance, like as soon as you're about to be contacted, don't wait for them to wrap you up to think, oh, who do I lateral to? Literally, as you encounter the first player to hit you, be one, one beat ahead of him, and boom, lateral to the right. Oh, it was set up. They still had to make a two-point conversion. That would have been a dagger had the Bears actually scored on that and scored a two-point conversion and taken the Packers to overtime and won the game. But guess what? They didn't, and so it doesn't matter. The Packers are 11-3. and It's been a hell of a year, a hell of a ride. You just got to ride with it and enjoy it. They've got a couple weeks to get even better, and then let's see what the dice say. When you shake up the Yahtzee dice of January, anything could happen. Meanwhile, the Redskins lose, and they lose to an Eagles team that had no wide receivers. Actually, let me amend that. They had a wide receiver who used to play quarterback at Houston who caught the game-winning touchdown over Josh Norman, who has been relegated to oh, I don't know, fifth string DB, and he was somehow in the game due to injuries. And, of course, you know what they say, the ball will find you. The ball found him as one Greg Ward Jr. made the catch of his life. That's a hell of a story right there. So the Eagles come in at 6-7. and seven. They stink. Uh, they almost got knocked out by the Giants last week. They were down 17-3 in the second half. They rallied to win. Giants are terrible, too. They roll in with zero wide receivers. They lose Alshon Jeffrey during the game last week. They lost Nelson Aguilar uh, during the week to injury. And they didn't even suit up more than three wide receivers. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson was criticized a bit like, what are you doing, man? He's like, they're all just bodies. We'll figure out a way. And they did. They came back and they came back and they came back. I think they came back three different times from deficits. Now, Redskins played a pretty good game, all things considered. Haskins played his best game yet as a pro. 19 of 28, 261, two touchdowns, no INTs, did have a fumble, 
Adrian Peterson continues to be amazing. Another touchdown for him. Uh, he moved into fourth place alone on the all-time NFL touchdown list. I could not have been more wrong about him. Terry McLaurin, big game for him. Five for a buck thirty. I love the guy. Steven Sims Jr., he dropped a couple of big ones, which hurt. Uh, and he didn't run for a first down on one play, which hurt. But I like him. We can use him. That's a guy to build on right there. But here's the thing. A lot of people after the game from the Redskins standpoint, despite the loss, and really it was sort of a perfect kind of a loss in which you you have Haskins make strides and play well, and the team still loses to help you know further solidify the best draft status, status, standing or status uh, for next year. Perfect outcome, right? In fact, my friend Burgundy blog tweeted, this is the kind of loss I was waiting for since October, one in which Haskins looks good and the coaching staff and the management looks like idiots, which I think is definitely the case. But here's the dirty truth. The Redskins are terrible. And just because Haskins looked good in this game doesn't mean he's our franchise quarterback. And even if he was our franchise quarterback, it doesn't mean we're going to win anything. I will say the following, and it will get some people triggered. So this is a trigger warning, but I'll say it. It's very unlikely that Dwayne Haskins even becomes Kirk Cousins. (gasps) What? Oh, I'm just saying in terms of numbers. If you think that Dwayne Haskins can match Kirk Cousins, let me get his stats up here. Back-to-back years. He set the franchise record for passing yards in back-to-back years. Now, you might say, well, there's more to it than that. Okay, but do you like passing yards from your quarterback? Because that's usually a pretty good measure. Kirk Cousins' career stats. Pro football reference. Best place to go. I don't know why I can't do the podcast while typing. I'm not that brilliant of a mind. Dwayne Haskins can be good, really good, Pro Bowl good, and we still may not win jack shit with him. He might be as good as Matt Stafford, who hasn't won shit with the Lions. He might be as good as Carson Wentz, the guy across from him, got a big contract, hasn't won shit as an Eagle. Oh, he got off to a great start and then blew his knee out. And then next thing you know, you're like, uh, how come we're not winning anymore? This guy's, you know, Carson Wentz has been taking a lot of heat in Philadelphia. I think it's crazy. The pass he threw to Miles Sanders sitting on his butt in the corner of the end zone. Oh, my God. See, that's the kind of passes that elite quarterbacks have to deliver. Now, Haskins may have that, and he may start showing that more and more. Haskins might be like Josh Allen who hasn't won shit with the Buffalo Bills, although they're pretty good this year. Haskins may be like Jameis Winston, as good as Jameis Winston. Oh, come on. He's going to be better than that. Have you seen Jameis Winston's numbers? Aside from the fumbles and the picks, which are bad, guy can light it up. Guy can throw. My point is, it's we as Redskin fans, we worship shiny things, and a new coach and a new quarterback, and that's going to fix everything. No, it's not. You have to keep building your team all the time, relentlessly in waves with first option, second option, third option, fifth option. That's why you need a staff at an organization that can find a Greg Ward Jr., trust him enough to suit up in week 15 with your season on the line 
and have a quarterback who is willing to throw a floater to him and that he's going to go up and beat Josh Norman for that ball for the game-winning touchdown and not let it get picked. That's what you need as an organization. The only thing that produces that is the best people you can find, giving them the most leeway to do what they do best, and a culture, despite what Bruce Allen says, that is actually an elite professional culture. That's what it's going to take. I'm not trying to you know, be a negative Nelly after a good game, good game by Haskins. I'm just trying to remind people, hey, a good quarterback does not solve everything. A bad quarterback, I grant you, you have no hope whatsoever. But there's lots of teams with good quarterbacks who aren't winning shit because the team around them is not very good. Here you go. Uh, Kirk Cousins, back-to-back years. <laughs> Actually, Jesus, four years in a row. 4,000 yards. I mean, seriously? Uh, actually, no. Two of those with Minnesota. My bad. Or at least uh, last year with Minnesota, 4,000 yards. He's on pace for 4,000 yards this year. And Kirk Cousins at 70% completions this year with Minnesota, who, by the way, is 10-4. and four, And he was 70% last year. Exactly right on the number. 70.1, 70.1. But with the Redskins, Kirk Cousins, when he started his first year, 16-16, 69.8% completions. 4,166 yards, 29 touchdowns, over 11 picks. Franchise record in yards. Next year went back 4,917 yards, 25 touchdowns, over 12 picks, 67% completions. Another franchise record for yards in a season. But we didn't win anything with him. I know. Because the dumb Redskin fan and Dan Snyder, petulant, L'enfant terrible, as he is, thinks we didn't win because of Kirk. Not we had a good quarterback and we still couldn't win because the team wasn't good enough. Their culture wasn't good enough. Their resilience wasn't good enough. The ingenuity of the coaching staff was not good enough. That the scouting department didn't find guys off the waiver wire, off of the street, off of NFLwideout.com looking for work. Wait a minute, you put the dot com in the middle. You get my point. That's what it takes. Haskins could be really good. It's not going to guarantee shit. So let's always keep that in mind. The other juicy part of this Sunday for Redskins fans was seeing one Urban Meyer <laughs> up in the owner's box. <laughs> now, granted, Alex Smith has been up there with Dan Snyder for pretty much the whole season. Alex Smith played for Urban Meyer where? At Utah. And Urban Meyer coached who in college? Dwayne Haskins, as well as Terry McLaurin. It was a natural for him to come by and visit. But to be up on the owner's suite for the whole time, given that he is the type of guy who is considering possibly coming back, Fred Smoot has been banging the drum big time for Urban Meyer to be the coach of this team. And boy, if he tickles Dan Snyder the right way, he will break the fucking bank. Watch. It will be a $12 million a year deal. Snyder will just fall all over himself and say, here, take all the money. See, we're good now. And I'm not saying I'm anti-Urban Meyer, but it was just funny to see it. And beat reporters who cover this team all the time has been have been saying, oh, did you notice something? Bruce Allen was walking down on the field before the game. Guess who was not next to him? Dan Snyder. 
Bruce Allen used to be up in the uh, owner's box, owner's suite. You'd see him up there. Guess what? Wasn't there today. Hmm. Somebody said he must have been on a popcorn run. <laughs> After the game, Bill Callahan was especially tight-lipped and bitter and quick with his words. And even though it was a tough loss, you think to yourself, what's going on? Andy Poland tweeted that maybe it's because he was pissed that Urban Meyer was being trotted around like the next potential show pony when he is desperate to prove to Dan Snyder I should be the coach of this team. <laughs> it's so good. See, watching the Packers and and covering the Packers and talking about the Packers, it's kind of boring because they're such a professional outfit and the season's going so well. Uh, the details of nonsense lies in the dysfunction. And with the Redskins, boy, is there plenty of it. couple things I just had to chime in on. Oh, yeah, Callahan, such a moron. Doesn't go for it on fourth and four at the plus 40. Uh, like, he had an extra timeout in his pocket he did not need at the end of the game when he could have at least squeezed two more either Hail Marys or other plays out of the you know final gasping straws of the game because he just doesn't know how to manage the clock. He's terrible. He's the worst. It's uh, it's unbelievable how bad he is. And it's almost like, does he not have any help? Does he not realize he's bad? Does he not pawn that duties off to somebody else? I, I don't know. There was a terrible low hit call on Ryan Anderson as he sacked Carson Wentz by the waist. But because Carson Wentz went down on his leg and it looked like, ow, I'm getting hurt because I'm falling on my leg, the ref threw the flag. And there way you go. This is why two white flags per game would be way better than replay. Two white flags that reverse, undo any penalty in the game. Period. Be fantastic. But the announcers, I mean, I can't take much of Tom Brenneman. He may be the nicest guy in the world. He lays it on thick. He is right up there in Tessator territory for me in terms of insufferable. Spielman at times is good and explains things. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Linebacker's responsibility is make sure to set the edge, hand off this guy to there. And I'm like, good. That's what an analyst should do. Explain something we don't know. But then he says dumb shit. Like there was a, uh, uh, a Carson Wentz pass. He was almost sacked. And he threw it away and it was incomplete. And the replay showed that Wentz was, uh, his knee was down. And Spielman says, I'd challenge that if I were Doug Peterson. Literally, as the Redskins were lining up to punt, it was third down on that play, and they were punting anyway, and Spielman just blurts out, I'd challenge that if I were them. (laughs) Hello? Also, at the end of the Bears-Packers game, Kevin Burkhart, the play-by-play man, he's announcing the Bears doing their own version of, hey, we got an interception, let's try to lateral, let's do this, you know, whatever. There's no time on the clock, why not? And Burkhart said, literally, there's nothing to lose. And I said, no, there's a ton of things to lose. You're throwing the ball around like a jackass, like it's a schoolyard play. And you could have that go in for a touchdown quite easily. So these little things bother me just because it's like, why are announcers not looking at the game the way we at home look at the game? Like, yeah, okay, you can try for a miracle play. You do know that's a live ball. You do know Packers are running around, and they could pick it up and go for a touchdown. So, yeah. All right, real quick. Patriots video has emerged on Fox, and I think it's bad. I think it is fishy as hell. 
Let me see if I can't call it up in real time here on my Twitter feed. I don't have the, I'm not going to play the full five minute story, but essentially, if you believe the Patriots, then you have to believe that these independent contractors, both at the same time, have worked for the team for 18 years and would never, ever, ever think of giving that video to the football staff, but that they also had no idea that it was inappropriate to be filming the sideline. All right, I'm going to play the audio for you right here, and then I'm going to narrate it. Bengal security comes up and sees the videographer and says, that's why you were thinking you could take that video? And yeah, it's video shot right at the Bengals sideline. Uh, Patriots videographer, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. How did you not know, said Bengals security. Patriot videographer, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Awkward pause. Oh, by the way, the Patriots have put out uh, a lengthy statement, or at least the, uh, the the videographer has. He basically says, I've been doing this for 18 years. It was our job to produce four pieces of content for the Do Your Job series. By the way, go watch some of those Do Your Job videos. Ridiculously boring. 15 minutes long of secretaries filing paperwork in the Pat's offices. It's so suspicious, you say to yourself, you know... This could be a long con by the Pats just to say, let's create this series and then we'll get our advanced video guys into other stadiums under the guise of, uh, you know, we're just here to do, we're doing our job to film, do your job. And you never know what we might pick up along the way. Very fishy. The worst, most boring videos I've ever seen. 15 minutes long, too. They should be three-minute vignettes. Okay, here's Edna Krabappel. She's been the Pats uh, traveling secretary for 36 years. Hi, Edna. How are you? Do you love the Pats? Oh, I love the Pats. Yeah, well, she does her job, everybody. Do your job. Ba-ba-bum. Three minutes and out. These are 15-minute snooze fests. So they're there at the Bengals. uh, or They're in the Bengals press box, and they're filming the Bengals sideline. They're very next opponent. And this guy who claims that he is an 18-year veteran, that he had no plan. Okay, it's on the NFL website here. I'll just go right to NFL.com. I'm almost done here, people. And I got one more thing, 35, 38 minutes here. Have you been having fun? I've been having fun. I hooked up my machine. I can now play this favorite sound by the mind. show me your movies, and I like them too. Credit the NFL.com for actually uh, not, you know, shying away from this story. A Patriots videographer had no plans to share footage with team. Oh, come on. Website with the uh, headlines there. I went to news instead. Good thing my internet is uh, so slow, it might as well be AOL disk dial-up speed. Let me continue with the video. So why were you thinking you could take that? I'm sorry. But I can delete this right here for you. Here's an offer. I can delete this right. I didn't know, but I can tell you're mad, but I can delete this right here. You know what all that points to? Guilty as fuck. Because if you didn't know, 
you would say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sure we can take video of this. It's just, you know, it's B-roll of the stadium and it's, you know, B-roll of uh, the sidelines and the game itself and the scoreboard and the crowd and, uh, you know, uh, some guy named Jerry who's the beat writer for this awful team. See, we're here in the press box. What? Also, if he was like, oh, no, this is just part of our little feature. We're not doing anything crazy or illegal or trying to steal signs for Bill. Then you would have said, no, I, I can't delete this. You can, here, I'll make a copy for, of you of it so you can send it to the league and I'll be cleared. But I need this for the, for the piece we're doing. This is crucial B-roll. That's what he should have said. It's what an innocent person would have said. But this looks very fishy. Yeah, producer, no plan to give Pat's tape to Pat's football ops. It's such a long statement. Usually, whenever you see a statement that has unnecessary details, that is just loaded down, it makes it look very specific, you know? And uh, yeah, following a pro scout, blah, 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 blah. He said, and let me find this quote about 18 years. Yeah. On December 8th, I was doing what I have done for more than 18 years, working to produce high-quality content that tells the unique behind-the-scenes stories of people, players, and the organization, said David Mondillo. Well, you're failing. I've seen those pieces. They suck. Um, 18 years. At first, the story was, well, these are independent contractors. Oh, okay. Almost like... They barely know who Bill Belichick is. Oh, we just hired these slappies. Slappies from a local production company in Ohio and said, yeah, go out and film some stuff of our scout there. And send it back. Just email it to us and we'll put it together. Now, all of a sudden, he's an 18-year guy. 18-year guy should know exactly what he's allowed to tape and not, especially if you work for the Patriots. So... He goes on, I gave the Sony SXS card to NFL security and we complied with their request, packed up and went home. I had no intention to provide footage to football operations. I did not provide any footage and I was never asked to do so. Boy, does that sound very loyally right there, huh? That's the firewall that they are building in New England to try to keep their guys clean. Fishy as Fuck. So let me just finish this and then we'll uh, put a wrap on it. Bengal security. Laughter. The damage is done, my friend. Sounds like a, sn a snort right there. Videographer. No, it isn't. Because we can delete it. Guilty. Videographer number two trying to jump in and be helpful. You know, once it gets deleted by us, it's gone. Wait a minute. I thought this was worthless. You could see this with your own camcorder. No big deal, Ski. What's the problem? I'm just doing my job for Do Your Job, the Emmy Award winning. Hadn't won anything. Video series. Funny. Boy, they're scrambling now. I'll delete it. I swear. I don't want any trouble, mister. I'm not doing anything wrong. Once it's gone, it's gone, they say. 
I can't get that footage back. Oh, really? Sure you haven't set your cameras to write to two different card slots? How does this Bengal security guy know that there isn't a second card slot in your camera? How do you know that you don't have a internal hard drive that it also duplicates to? Hmm. No way. This is like the fourth. There's no way I can get that footage back. I swear to God. I'll delete it. It'll be gone. Let's just forget about this whole thing. I'm being honest with you. Lying! Whenever anybody says, I'm being honest with you, they are lying. Or they're admitting they're not honest all the other times. They don't preface it with, I'm being honest with you. I don't have a computer to like put it anywhere. Oh, some videographer you are. You don't carry a computer, really. Not a MacBook Pro, not a MacBook Air, not a laptop, nothing, huh? Not a Ninja Atomos 4 uh, video monitor with internal hard drives. Oh, okay. Once this Once this cards, that's it. He's selling hard right now. This is the best line. You ready for this one here? Bengal security. Yeah, I don't see the advanced scout in any of this video they're shooting. Boom! Roasted. Fucking hammer them. Big time. Guilty as shit. Something doesn't add up to me. All right. Last thing, we'll end on this. So I'm watching a commercial, holiday commercial for the Google Nest, I believe. It looks like a little standalone information assistant, video screen, video calling device, blah, blah, blah. It was a wonderful commercial in which the Muppets reunite with Kermit, who is on the other side of the country. And they're like, Kermit, how are you? And then Kermit starts singing his cheesy song that everybody loves but really hates about rainbows. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And, you know, it's like a feel-good moment. Like, look, this little device can connect you and other people. Yeah, it's also listening on you. It's snooping on you. It's snitching on you. It's collecting data on you. And it'll be eventually used by the the government someday to control us all. So, yeah, buy this. Spend your money on it, you suckers. Put it in your house. Oh, and people can hack it and then look at the camera in your device and see you in your home and who knows what other stuff. But they may be wonderful products. As they show the seamless, easy call in crystal clear high definition to Kermit D. Frog on the other side of the country in tiny lettering, I mean the tiniest lettering, on the bottom, it says, and this is great, (laughs) it says screen images simulated User experience may vary. (laughs) In other words, it won't look like this, and it sure as fuck won't work like this. But go ahead. Get it. See how it does for you. Screen images simulated. User experience may vary. Won't look or work like this all the time. Maybe some of the time, 
but there'll be connection problems. It'll fail to sync to your Wi-Fi network. You'll have to dive into the menus. Kermit the Frog will be pixelated and breaking up on the other side. Uh, Kermit, Kermit, are you in a bad cell? What? Hold on a second. We can't see you. Oh, wait, my video's not. Why, why are we not showing video? Oh, we got to press this button. Screen images simulated. User experience may vary. Look for those words, tiny letters at the bottom. All right. Holy shit. 48 minutes and 12 seconds. I didn't take a single break. Yeah, one very smooth either. I didn't talk about any of the other NFL games. I didn't talk about the fact that uh, there was a coin flip issue, or at least a defer versus will kick issue in the Cowboy game. We can talk about that tomorrow. You can tune in tomorrow morning on 97.3 The Game and listen, because I'm sure that'll come up at some point. Same thing we didn't talk about Eli Manning's last game, or the last game in the black hole with the Raiders. Lots of stuff to discuss. Lots on the table. I remind you, this is a supplement. It's a little diversion. It's not a condensed version of the shows I do on a regular basis. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good Monday, everybody. I'm going to get a larger tree. Don't tell my wife. And I will see you tomorrow. We'll fly. Whoa. Cause we're like a team.